Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we're in week number five of 2021. Uh, I'm here today with a new guest. This is uh, Nathan McClay. Most of you out there probably know him, and uh, he is our worship pastor here at Lewis Memorial. And uh, he does a lot of things that I would have no idea of how to do. Um, I don't have a singing voice, and and I know he does, and I like to... um, Feel, make myself feel better and say my voice is untrained, untrained. Is, is what I like to say. Um, it, we're going to get started in just a minute here, but before we do that, I want to uh, just make a quick announcement about um, 2020 and about those of you who completed your 2020 reading. Um, we have some gifts uh, available for you to choose from for 2020. If you completed your Bible reading, we didn't get a chance to turn in the cards and you know halfway through the year we had to stop punching the cards because of the COVID-19 issue so what you need to do if you want one of those gifts if you completed your 2020 reading and we'll have to go uh, honesty here and make sure you completed your reading uh, go on the website you can go to lmbc.rooted and I've got it here on on my iPad just to quick show you exactly where it's at but if you listen I think you can get there easier you go to lmbc.rooted uh, org slash rooted at the very top you have this uh orange i guess it is yellow button that says available gifts and you click on that and you've got a document that comes up and there's about two pages worth of gifts that are on that document and all you need to do is select one of those gifts and you need to email us email us what gift you want us to send you through the mail Uh, make sure you also include your mailing address so we know where to send it to and uh, it's as easy as that. And so we won't be putting them in the back lobby for you to pick up. You're going to have to uh, select it ahead of time. You can also call the church office if you wanted to um, and uh, tell them what gift you want, and they'll take down your information as well. But it's easy just to click through there through email. And that's if you've completed your 2020 reading. Again, I hope that most of you have. That was from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelation 22 from beginning to end. Now this year, uh, in 2021, we're doing a little bit different. You've already experienced that with Simply Jesus. And this week's podcast, we're going to finish out the Gospel of John. And so I've got Nathan here um, with me today. Now, as I've had a different guest on every week uh, for the last couple of uh, couple of weeks, we've kind of started the podcast with um, a tip from our uh, guest. And let me just kind of review Uh, So the first week, I gave our readers a Bible study tip. I said, read your Bible in a different translation this year. I said, that's that's something you want to think about. Uh, Brother Tim gave us the idea of repetition. Look for repetition in the text. Uh, Matt, he gave us a a system the teens use, observation, interpretation, application, I think is what he said. And it's a system he uses in his uh, Bible study for the teens and what he encourages the teens to use. Last week... Uh, Brother Bill told us to put ourselves into the text. So from your years of, of reading and studying God's Word, is there a tip that you like to share with us? Uh, maybe something you do when you read God's Word, maybe a place that you go to, or maybe, a, I don't know, maybe a song that you have playing when you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I'll give you the floor. Well, a couple of things. One in particular is, especially if you are having problems with um, attention, yeah, okay. Your mind wanders all over the place. When you're at that point, read the Bible out loud and um, put expression to it. I think people who are involved in the arts should be doing this on a regular basis because that would be very beneficial to them. 
you know, if there's different characters in there, just give each character a different voice. And uh, just read it with a lot of expression, read it out loud. I also like to go in, during good weather and go out in the woods somewhere and sometimes read, yeah. and then read out loud and hope nobody's yeah. around to, to hear me. <laughs> and uh, another thing I like to do with, with prayer is to pray a hymn, a okay. hymn that is a prayer. Right. Like, Ferris, Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. Yeah. And um, other songs like that, they don't come quite so quickly when you're trying to think of them. True, more love true. to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Yeah. And make that your prayer. Because um, we're, we're really used to doing a lot of petitioning because that's on our minds that's and that's truth. our hearts. And yeah. we're commanded and we're told to do that. Yeah. And let the peace of God rule out. But sometimes we are a little slow to be thankful to God and to admire him, to adore him for all that he is. So I like what you're saying. You're saying that um, because sometimes when we read our, our Bibles, we're just kind of we're reading in our minds, and we're just reading mm-hmm. through, and, and we kind of hear it a certain way. But then when we read it out loud, it's almost as if maybe we're picking up different things maybe we didn't hear and, mm-hmm. and, and adding some uh, maybe flavor to it with different characters. And I could right. see just somebody out there reading and changing their voices with different mm-hmm. characters that come along or some of those old um, ones who recorded the dramatized, if I even said that word right, um, Bibles where they have all the different characters mm-hmm. and stuff. But that's good because some passages of Scripture um, are better to be heard, to listen to, than actually to read. In fact, in the first century, uh, they didn't have Bibles like you and I have today. And so a lot right. of what they had mm-hmm. to do is go to the churches, and the church, whoever stood up, would stand up and would read um, the letter, like Paul's letter to Colossae or, or to Philippi. They would actually just mm-hmm. read the letter. So you actually had to listen. Mm-hmm. You had to pay attention. So that's important. Okay. So we'll add that to our list of tips. So maybe you're not a person that reads it out loud. Maybe get into a spot where you can read it out loud. And and I think that would kind of help from distractions. Or maybe even just read a portion out loud. Yeah. Okay. And I find maybe that so. sometimes when I'm reading, I'll, I'll go through a passage and think, well, what did I just read? Because my mind, <laughs> yeah. or I'll think about something in that passage <laughs> that I just read while I'm reading the other parts. Well, that's good because that's the Holy Spirit connecting <laughs> things in your mind from one thing to the next. So then I have to read the next passage yeah. again. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where those little cross references come in in your Bible and those things mm-hmm. can you can chase that rabbit all day long. Now, for the text for this week that we're going to work through, it's John chapter 13. Excuse me, I'm sorry, that was last week. This week is John chapter 14 through the end of the book of John, through John chapter 21. Now, last week we kind of began talking about the upper room discourse because that's essentially what chapters 13 through 17 is about. Uh, You know, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his soon coming departure, and he's giving them some farewell instructions. Now, he's told them so many times, I mean, you can count the times, so many, I didn't count the times, I should have, but so many times that he's got to leave. And he's told them where he's going. Um, but it's important, one of, the, one of the big things in this text of, of the farewell discourse, it's, it's so vital that Jesus has to leave. And I know the apostles and the disciples here are, are upset because he's leaving, but there's a reason for it. He has to leave because if he doesn't leave, then what we're told is that the Holy Spirit it's not going to come. I mean, that is truly, truly important. We look at it and we say, well, that must mean the Holy Spirit is really important for us today Mm -hmm. because if Jesus did not leave, then we wouldn't have the ministry of the Holy Spirit 
and the power that comes from his ministry. Um, and it was very, very important that Jesus, and again, they're still struggling and understanding where in the world are you going, Jesus? Mm-hmm. He's told them so many times um, where he's, he's going, where he has to go to suffer and to die. Um, but it seems like they just still didn't get the message. Now, is there anything particular about the discourse? I know we're going to work through some of the chapters here. Anything that you uh, took away from something that you noticed from the, this section or these passages here? Uh, in chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all of them. There's a lot here. Well, as you, had, as you had mentioned where you yeah. had kind of misspoke and said we're starting with chapter 13, yeah. uh, but that was a good misspeak because, yeah. you know, then you mentioned that this was about the dis- dis- discourse where he's preparing them. Right. But what I've noticed is uh, he is preparing them for what they're about to face. He's preparing them for what is without. Mm-hmm. And then he's also instructing them yeah. And how he will prepare them within. You know, the, the Father and yeah. the, the Son yeah. have ordained that the Holy Spirit would come and that the Holy Spirit would not speak of himself. Another thing I've noticed about speaking on behalf of another was the Son came and he spoke on behalf of the Father. Right. And the Spirit comes and it says he will not speak of himself. He speaks of Jesus Christ and brings glory to him. And, and I think it reminds them of what. And I think that's important because sometimes we separate the Holy Spirit from Jesus as if it's almost like, okay, God the Father was was working in the Old Testament, then God the Son came in the New Testament, then after into the church age, now it's the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of disappeared. But if you look in 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 the text here, I'm looking uh, at Matthew, excuse me, at John chapter 16, verse 12. It says this is there's so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will, uh, it says, bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me, from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. Mm-hmm. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me, mm-hmm. from Jesus. And I think we kind of put the Holy Spirit kind of separate on, on, on his own plane. You know, we talk about the Father and the Son relationship a mm-hmm. lot in the book of John. But now he presents this new relationship, the relationship of the Son with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit, it says, he is to guide us and give us instruction based upon what Jesus' instruction is mm-hmm. from within and from without, as you said. So sometimes we miss that. Um, so when the Holy Spirit prompts us and convicts us and encourages us, or, or when we're grieving uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, He's grieved because of us. It's all related to Jesus. It's mm-hmm. all related to His teaching. And I know you were kidding earlier saying, well, what's this whole passage here in John about, John 14 to 21? Well, it's all about Jesus. Every word's about mm-hmm. Jesus. Every line's about Jesus, and it's true. My Bible is, is, is red. If you have a Bible that puts the words of Jesus in red, my Bible's red throughout this whole section because... It, it's the discourse, and he's the one. He's the one that's speaking. Mm-hmm. So, what else here? Well, the, the, we talked about from without and within. The without is not a very pretty picture. <laughs> he tells them yeah. that they hate him. If they hated him, the world hated him. Mm. They'll hate the disciples, and they'll be in for persecution. And then the within, the Holy Spirit comes and and arms them with not only truth, but also with peace. And uh, he told them that. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but yeah. be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And there's yeah. a there's the promise of peace, and somewhere in here, and I forget exactly where, <laughs> there's that promise of joy. 
that his joy might remain in them. I think it's in the 15th chapter with the, uh, the vine. Yeah, we, 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 we moved right past that. We skipped yeah. right past that. I mean, I am the vine, you are the branches. I mean, that's a classic illustration mm-hmm. of our relationship with Jesus. And, of course, chapter 15 is all about relationships, relationships with him, with the world, with the other disciples. And all those relationships should, Jesus says, should always produce fruit, some kind yes. of fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I find it interesting that in chapter 17, um, Jesus actually prays. We actually get a chance to hear what Jesus right. says in his prayer. And you mm-hmm. talked about prayer earlier. Um, and, and if I can just launch off of that, I mean, you look at chapter 17, and there are so many different prayers. That Well, it's specifically, I divided it up into three sections. Jesus prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for those that will come after, after. those disciples, mm-hmm. like you said, right. uh, the future believers. And so his prayer here, to me, is very, very powerful. And in fact, uh, in Old Testament times, a lot of times um, your prayers came as part of farewell speeches, mm-hmm. like Moses, Joshua's farewell speeches. He was praying for the nation, praying for the people. And the same way here, Jesus is leaving, and he's leaving them with this with this prayer. And, of course, the high priestly prayer there in John 17 is one that, man, scholars have spent years, right. time and time and time again, studying that prayer. Um, but I think it's a good model prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different than uh, the Lord's Prayer that we find in Matthew that Jesus says, disciples, you're to pray this. But here we get a chance to hear what Jesus actually prays right. for. I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's very powerful. And if the Father, or excuse me, if Jesus prays, then how much more important is it for us to pray mm-hmm. and to spend time in His Word each and every day? And part of this prayer um, points them to the Word of God. Uh, You see that, and there's one verse you probably are thinking of right off, but he talks about the world and the world's influence on us all and set these disciples apart from the world. And uh, verse 17 gives us a key to that. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So this is what's going to help us to influence the world rather than the world coming and influencing us. Yeah, yeah. And this is just as important for them as it is for us today. Uh, there's, there's so much truth that's here. Now, um, but I do love the part that uh, where it's ultimately all believers yeah. down through the ages. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what he's praying for because Verse 20. He, he knows there's going to be much, much more after mm-hmm. that. He's praying for himself. He's praying for um, the disciples because he knows what they're going to face. And then he's including all those other future believers. And again, that's important because that's you and I. We're future believers from this context. And so he's praying for us. And so that's something we should pay attention to very, very mm-hmm. carefully. Now, after he's finished with this prayer, it goes right into really the Passion Week or the Passion right. Time in chapters 18, 19, and, and well, I think just 18, and, 18, 19, and 20, I think. And, and chapter 18 begins with the narrative of Jesus' arrest here. And one of the things I noticed as I read through this section again in chapters 18, 19, and 20 is how many different times... It, what John does is John reminds us that that everything that's happening is under Jesus's control. Like he's controlling everything. Like nothing doesn't like like this this um, arrest and persecution, all this whole trial is all part of the plan. 
And John notes that so many times, and I'll, I'll pull a couple of verses here in a minute when I find them, but he notes that so many times it doesn't take Jesus by surprise. This is part of his plan. It's almost saying that he's in control of all things. He's kind of reminding us that, that he is in control of all those things. Now, you know, there are some trials here, and I think the one that we tend to focus on the most of the trials of Jesus is the one that he had before Pilate. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you go through um, your Gospels, there are six different trials of Jesus. Uh, you've got a trial before Caiaphas. You've got a trial before Caiaphas and part of the Sanhedrin. Then you've got the full Sanhedrin, and they sentenced Jesus to death. Those are the first three, which are Jewish trials. And you got Pilate the first time. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time um, Pilate has a trial, and he doesn't want to deal with it, and he's like, Jesus is from Galilee, so I'm going to send him to Herod. So Herod's the second one, and then Herod's like, I just want to see a miracle, and Jesus doesn't comply, mm-hmm. and then sends him back for the second time to Pilate. And so that last trial, the sixth trial, is, is, is the one that I think we remember most and the one that's very ominous because when Pilate says, you know, Jesus has done nothing wrong, right. and he washes his hands, and they want... Um, the criminal, I can't remember his name, it just left me, uh, Barabbas, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of Jesus. And they say, we want to crucify him. And the people that Jesus came to die for, the Romans don't want to crucify Jesus. All right. The people that Jesus came to die for are the ones that want to crucify him. Yeah. I, just still, I just still roll that over in my mind every time I read through this passage of Scripture. It's just... And I'd like to hear the tone of voice of Pilate when he asked that question. Yeah. What is truth? You know, it's been cornered. And you've got the the Jews on one side, you've got Caesar on the other side. Yeah, and if yeah. you don't release this man, you're not a friend of Caesar's. And then Jesus talks to him about the truth, and then he asks that question, what is truth? You know, is he disgusted? Is he confused? Is he agitated? Yeah. I'd love to hear that tone of voice yeah, to that you know, question. And I'm sure he's, I don't know. I mean, I would guess he'd be frustrated. He'd be... That's probably the best word, frustrated. Um, yeah, and kind of, yeah, I, I can't think of a better word than just frustrated. Um, but in chapter 19 of John, verse 11, uh, this is one of my favorite uh, passages because um, he's coming before Pilate, and it says, the, then Jesus says, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. So, you know, here's Pilate. He's questioning Jesus. Jesus says, listen, you don't have, you have, you think you have power over me, Pilate? No, no, you don't have power over me. Only because uh, the one from above gives it. That's the only reason you have power. And I think that, I think that made Pilate even more frustrated, more mad, right. because. But again, it shows you what John was trying to point out in chapters eighteen, nineteen, and twenty mm-hmm. that he's in control of all things. This is part of the destiny where, and there's nothing that's not happening that's not part of that plan. Even the denials of Peter, um, you know, were part of the plan. And so, you know, I look at that passage of scripture and I see how that's all. And we think about, mm-hmm. you know, that was the plan from the beginning. It's not just the plan when Jesus came in the New Testament. I mean, that was the plan since all the way back to Genesis when when God first announced after Adam and Eve uh, sinned in the garden, God first announced that he would send a redeemer, a Messiah, a deliverer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it traces it all the way back to that chapter. I mean, that's a lot. And, and that doesn't even say anything about what Jesus says. You know, now we have a lot of Romans talking, but in chapter 19, you find the several of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, and right. I find a great many preachers have preached 
off of those uh, sayings of Jesus on the mm-hmm. cross. Well, what else? What else from here? Um, I think we're still good on time for a little while longer anyway. Um, what else from here, um, from chapters 19, maybe into the resurrection, chapter 20, 21, anything else that, that, that's important uh, for the passage here um, at hand? I know that... Um, well, the one saying that stands out to me is that it is finished. The debt is paid. Yeah. I mean, in the others, other uh, accounts, the other Gospels, it mentions about the veil being torn yeah, from top yeah. to bottom. There's I think that's nothing, in Matthew. Nothing more we need to do to gain access to our Father. It has been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Redemption for all of eternity has been paid for by that sacrifice on the cross. And there's nothing we can add to it. Yeah, yeah. And then in, in verse uh, 20, of course, we see them coming to the empty tomb. Not the empty tune, but the empty tomb. <laughs> And um, I guess some tunes are empty, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he meets with Mary Magdalene, who doesn't yeah. recognize him. We 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 got a couple places in this passage where Jesus is not recognized. Yeah. And wasn't it Mary and Mary Magdalene that were watching Jesus being buried? Remember, they mm-hmm. they had witnessed that they were watching from afar um, how Nicodemus and Joseph Bimrathia were kind of rushing mm-hmm. to get the burial because remember they had to get Jesus off the cross before. Um, the, the, the Sabbath day started. It was kind of a rushed burial almost. And so Mary and Mary Magdalene were watching so that when we come to the resurrection, then they come back so early in the morning. So I find it interesting that here's Mary and Mary Magdalene, they get to see Jesus first. I mean, uh, women who in this time and day were not really considered, I mean, they were part of society, but they didn't function uh, in the way a man did. They were kind of looked down upon. They were a lower class. Um, and yet Jesus, right. throughout his ministry, he mm-hmm. did, as well as here, took time to have care and concern for them. And here they get a chance to see mm-hmm. the resurrected Jesus first. I think now, from the realm of hymnology, yes, okay. what people may not know is there is a hymn that is very vague, and people think it's just a simple hymn about prayer. <laughs> but it was written after reading the 20th chapter, The Count of oh, Mary John. Magdalene, yeah. and it was a song in the garden. In the garden. I come to the garden alone. Yeah. So this garden, this author is talking about, see Austin Miles, is this uh, garden tomb here. See, I always thought that it was, I, was, it, I always ha- have heard that hymn in my mind of being about Jesus being betrayed in the garden. I've always thought that it was written then. So you're saying it was written It was written later. about this. He was a oh. photographer, and he was developing film in the dark room. Yeah. And he had a little special light where he could read his Bible. He was reading that during yeah. that time. And he uh, thought, this is an experience that I could have with Jesus. I can talk yeah, to him. Yeah. And he wrote, in the garden. And it's been, um, to use the modern word, dissed by uh, <laughs> theologians because it's very, seems right. so sentimental. Right. Seems so shallow and sentimental. Right, right. But uh, it takes on a whole different meaning if you realize it was yeah. uh, written about this account right here. About Mary Magdalene coming back to the garden because when she first came and she wasn't there, she goes back and tells Peter and John, and they come mm. and run and see he's not there. Then they leave, and then it's kind of like the scene goes back to Mary Magdalene, and she comes back to the garden alone, and, mm. and she doesn't see it first, and then the gardener recognizes. But it's when she says, Mary when she calls her name. And all those events you just mentioned, Yeah, I'll ask you a question here. I don't know if you have an answer to it. But okay. what is the best source Ooh. for finding all the events in order? For the resurrection? Resurrection. 
Well, the Gospels are the best source. I, no, I mean, uh, I mean uh, to put them in a chronological oh, yeah. order okay. and to so, where they don't contradict each other. Because you can do that. You yes, can put a puzzle can. together. Yeah. But every time I study it, I forget it. It's a good thought. Um, <laughs> so one, we, of the, um, one of the best resources you can find is called a harmony, a harmony of, of the, the gospels. gospels. And so a lot of publishers will have that. And so essentially what it does is it takes all the Gospels and it puts them in chronological order. There are different names of harmonies like Baker's Harmony. Baker's God, Davis's. Davis's yeah, Harmony. Okay. There's some older ones. There's some newer ones. Um, the Christian Standard Bible has put out a new one. I think it's just called Jesus, Life and Ministry. And it just basically has... Um, uh, the life of Christ outlined, and it has different passages from the Gospels. It's more life of Christ. Um, so there are a lot of those that are out there. There's a couple of good books that are called um, Two Good Books, written by recently um, by, I think, Andreas Kostenberger is his name, and there are two books that talk about in the last the last days of Jesus and the first days of Jesus. And it talks about the Incarnation, then that other one, the last days of Jesus, is a real good um, um a real good chronology of the last ones. But if you want to get as a whole, I would say a harmony of the gospels. Just just type it into Amazon or Google, a harmony of the gospels. And you know, each one's gonna have a different slant to it, you know, because it is interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's hard because some of the gospels include, and that's why we have four. It's because we have right. lots of information from the four. And so we're pulling stuff back and forth from our knowledge of other gospels, but they're not really here in the Gospel of John. The illustration I always heard was um, like Four different people come on the scene of an accident, yeah, and somebody may seem something something different, but it's all true, and you have to find out what everybody has to say. Yeah, yeah Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, yeah. So, one of the other things that I noticed real quick is that um, you know, as Jesus is crucified, um, the Bible tells us that he's crucified, uh, goes up to Golgotha, and it's a place that's outside the city, outside the camp. And that has connections back to Old Testament Israel when the sin offering would be taken outside the camp. And so what happened is on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would come out of uh, the Holy of Holies from offering the sacrifice, he would place the blood on the goat, you know, the scapegoat, and that goat would go as the sin offering outside the camp and would be killed. So the sin offering couldn't be in the camp. Sin can't be in the camp. It's got to be outside. And so in the same way, Jesus, our sacrifice, he was crucified as a sin offering outside the camp. So lots of symbolism there. I think the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 or 13 talks about that. that, Yeah, Yeah, it talks about that in a little more detail. And so it's not something you may see here in the Gospel of John, but there's a lot of symbolism here. As far as as Jesus dies outside the camp, because you know, you can't look on sin. And so, uh, as Jesus was the sacrifice, was the sin sacrifice, you know, God had to turn away for those three or four hours or so uh, while he was dying for the sins of mankind. But the good part is that Jesus came back on Sunday on the resurrection, mm-hmm. just like we were talking about. And one of the things that the last, really the last verse of the Gospel of John kind of to me, puts everything in perspective. Because, you know, as you're reading through the Gospel of John, you're like, man, this is a really good story, all these different things. And you're kind of wondering, well, what happens in between the lines? You know, what happens at other Mm -hmm. times that we're not told about? Well, the last verse of the book of John, it says, Jesus did many other things. If all were written down, I suppose the whole world cannot contain the books that could be written. And so I remember the first time I read that, that just blew my mind. I thought, Mm -hmm. so you're telling me we have just the highlights? Um, Like when you watch Sports Center in the morning, sports aren't really played in the same way nowadays right. because of COVID, but um, you're just getting the highlights. 
And so you're telling me that, yeah, this doesn't tell us what Jesus ate every day. Right. Or, 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 or what he ate every day. It's just giving us the highlights. And for John, it's those signs. Mm-hmm. These signs are necessary so that you might you believe. believe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One and that's of the key the words in the book of John. It, it, it's a, yeah. Yeah, a, a very key word. Anything else about that last part uh, of the book of John you want to add to that? On a personal note, and uh, I'm not, I hope I say this correctly, <laughs> um, I may give myself a little break now and then when my faith does not hold up like it should, because we see uh, yeah. with Peter several failures of faith. Oh, yeah. We're talking about chapter 21 before we met here today, and and I was I was thinking maybe this wasn't even chrono- chronologically in order, but then I read after these things, and then yeah. Peter has another lapse where he doesn't quite recognize the Lord, and the Lord has to ask him three times if if Peter loves him, and... Uh, so finally, he, he got the message. Now, Maybe I, that's why we need to read the Bible every day. <laughs> this is true. Now, when I read that message, I, was, I read that passage, I was thinking, I wonder what that breakfast would have tasted like when Jesus made that breakfast on the shore. Oh, man, some fried fish. I mean, this is Jesus making the breakfast, so you know it's got to taste good. But yeah, you're right. You know, And I think the last part of the book of John, because Peter denied him three times, and you know, I think that's, that's interesting Asked being the last part. And mm-hmm. Peter's just like us. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, he, he has these moments where he's uh, courageous and stands up for what's right, and you're like, wow, he's a great leader to follow. And at the very next moment, he's like, puts his tail between his legs and starts running the other direction and gets scared. And I think that's just uh, characteristic of us. And he wasn't humanists. perfect after that either, no, but he followed, he yeah. followed through to the end and uh, think of all the great things the Lord did through Well, him. the resurrection changed him, just mm-hmm. like it should change us. And as you get into the book of Acts, you find here's Peter just going everywhere and telling everyone, like mm-hmm. the resurrection, like it just, and that's what Jesus said. It says it, it was going to change you. Of course, it should change us because we celebrate the resurrection every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and let that be a reminder, I guess, for us that we come to church to worship, we do, but we're also coming in celebration of what Jesus did. Uh, the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think our time is probably pretty well out now. So next week we're going to start um, some other passages. Um, the beginning week of February, um, we're going to start some other passages related to um, Jesus as the teacher. So the beginning passages we had for this month were Jesus as the Creator, and then kind of we finished out the Book of John for the month of January. And so when we get into February, we're going to talk about Jesus being the teacher. And so I have a new guest with me that'll come by uh, for next time. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So I'll see you all next time.